Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Vodacy Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore. And I get one of my favorite episodes again today is interviewing some successful short-term rental investors. And today we've got Steve and Linda Cummings joining us today. Say hi to everybody, guys. Hello. Hello. Thank, thanks so much for joining us. We're excited to dive into your story and hear all about it. Yeah, we're excited to share our story as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, we uh, for those of you that are kind of new listeners that haven't listened to some of these conversations in the past, we really try to keep it casual. We're gonna we're gonna talk to Steve and Linda about their journey, about their background, um, you know, the personal background, what led them into short term rentals, and uh, talk about you know the the properties that they have and the setup and the challenges and all the all the ups and downs and everything in between. So, so Steve and Linda, why don't you guys start us off with just a little bit of a background of who you are, where you're from, and uh, maybe some of the the past investing experience and what started leading you to the short term rental game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Excellent. And thanks for uh, having us, Sean. Um, yeah. So Stephen Linda Cummings, as you said, um, uh, we've been married, what is it, almost 30 years now. Um, and so uh, we have been um, partners uh, together in life and, and investing and just and with our children and our and everything that we do together. And um, me personally, I'm a, a technology consultant. I've been in the technology consulting business for a long time. Um, and primarily my investing experience has been in the stock market. So whether it's be personal investing um, or through 401k or employer um, investment programs, things like that. Um, so I've been in the technology business for well over 30 years. Um, and that's really been my specialty. Very little knowledge or experience in, in investing in real estate. Um, I've got some friends that have done long-term uh, rentals. Um, they've said, you know, they've talked about the good things and the not so good things about long-term rental investing, but it's always been an interest uh, to me and Linda. And Linda, maybe you want to talk a little bit about your background? And Yeah, I uh, had a former uh, travel background, which kind of bit the dust mostly after 9-11. So things yeah. kind of changed for me, but I've been a stay-at-home mom for quite a while and just taking care of the kids in the house. And uh, just recently, I kind of started a little out-of-the-home bakery thing. I do cocoa bombs and cake pops and just kind of- Oh, man. I, I, yeah. that, uh, that, I, don't know, I don't know how you can do it, Steve, with that, with that stuff <laughs> around all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I'm, I'm the taste tester, so it's, yeah. it's, it's a tough yeah. job. Awesome. Yeah. So, so, so how, how old kids, are the kids? Yeah, great question. I was just going to say, yes. Yeah, so we've got two children, uh, Ryan and Taylor. Ryan is 23. He just graduated college last year. Um, and we have a daughter. Um, she is well, actually, yeah, 20 now. She just turned 20 and she's a sophomore in college. So, so uh, they're both out of the house. And, and so now we've got a little bit more free time to focus on things like the short-term rental um, investment uh, business. So. Awesome. So, so not a lot of real estate investing background. So what, you know, Linda, you said you've got kind of a travel background experience. You guys together have been interested in real estate, but real estate's a, a big ocean. There's a, there's a lot of different roads you can run down. What, uh, what really led you or got you most interested in the short-term rental space before, uh, before choosing some other avenues? Yeah, great question. I'd, I'd say, um, like I said, we've had friends that have been in the, uh, the real estate investment business, and we've always been interested in it. But like you said, there's a lot to it that can be somewhat intimidating. 
Um, and really, I would say uh, this last summer, uh, July of 2021, we took a vacation to Bonita Springs, Florida. And uh, Bonita Springs is on the Gulf. It sits between Naples and Fort Myers. It's a great little spot. Uh, we were about three minutes from the beach. And it was a, it was a short-term rental that we stayed in. And they had, it was a great uh, uh, experience. It was a great setup. Um, but we were... Uh, we noticed when we first walked in, there was a sign that said, hey, we're building this new uh, uh, development called Cabana and, our, and, and they're going to be selling units. And so that was the first thing we noticed. And, and Linda and I had been uh, talking about this a little bit anyway and doing some research. And she said, you got to go check it out. And so uh, one day I walked down and, and started looking at what they were doing. And the developer had bought up all of the land around that particular area where we were and was getting ready to build this huge development with three bedroom and four bedroom units and do the, the lazy river, the, the surfing, the wave pool, all that sort of stuff, kind of the, the cool amenities. And, um, and so they were selling units at the time and we were really, really interested in that. Unfortunately, they, were, they wanted 50% uh, down. Um, these we're talking units that are 800,000 to a million dollars and wanted 50% down and weren't gonna break ground for another probably nine months, 12 wow. months. So while it was very, it was very uh, interesting to us, it just financially didn't make a ton of sense, but that got the wheels turning. And so we started doing more and more research. Um, that was July. And then, you know, through August, September, uh, we started doing more and more research. And that's when we ran across um, your video on Facebook and started listening to your story, um, hearing about, you know, um, you know, lifestyle assets. And that was really that tied it back to that vacation that we took which is we could see ourselves not only vacationing there, but actually having a place like that um, and, uh, and, you know, and using it as a business. So it would help pay for itself. And that's really what got the ball rolling. And then we joined Vodacy in October, of, October 22nd, actually, of 2021. And, and then we're recording this in March of 2022. So yeah, not even that. Yeah. So we're about four months in. And, yeah. and uh, it was almost three months to the day that we closed on our, our first short-term uh, rental. So our first lifestyle asset. So it was pretty exciting. Love it. Love it. All right. So we took the vacation in the, by Bonita Springs in Florida. You guys liked that idea, kind of started getting interested, found us, discovered Odyssey, uh, you know, in uh, toward the end of the year in October, joined us. So where I didn't, when we were, when we were kind of going through your guys' background, where are you guys, where's home base? Where are you located at? Yeah, so we're we live in Kansas City, uh, okay. Missouri. So uh, really, right in the center of the United States. And so, yeah, so we like to travel to Florida. We've been to Colorado, um, you know, the coasts and the mountains and things like that. But then, when we started thinking about um, the vacation rental uh, investment, uh, we were thinking about Branson, Missouri. And, and there's a number of reasons for that. But you know, the primary reason is you talked about lifestyle assets, something that you want to be able to enjoy as well as as make a business is that our kids are in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is about two and a half hours on the other side of Branson. We're about three and a half hours. Plus we have family in Oklahoma and Iowa. So it made for a great central gathering spot. So while we're from Kansas City, our first uh, vacation rentals in Branson, Missouri. Okay, so we started looking. How, how long did it take you guys to, to identify Branson? Because um, obviously you started more in that Florida area, probably looked in Colorado, some of those markets that you vacation to. When you went through this process, I mean, that's one of the things that we really 
really stress in the very beginning is really identify what the property goals are, right? And so when yep. you guys, would you identify yourself as more of a the lifestyle buyer where, where the personal use is important, you know, but you still are looking for that nice return on investment still as well as an investment buyer? Yeah, I would say that that we were looking for that lifestyle asset where we could use it. That's one of the main things that we talked about. And we've always really kind of dreamed of having a place on the lake. And and we'll talk more about our place, but it's it's on the lake. And like I said, when we started looking at different uh, markets like Florida, like Colorado, like the Branson area, it just made the most sense for us for our first because one of its proximity to us and the fact that our family could use it right away while well, our kids are still um, you know, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, you know, who knows what's going to happen once they, they move away. Right now, it's a good place for us to gather. And we talked about, you know, we've already uh, set aside a week in the summer. Uh, we know that is peak time, but it's important to us to be able to use it um, as an asset. Awesome. So, so Linda, with your travel background, when you, as you start diving into this, I'm curious when you started really identifying the location, it's fairly close to home, not too far away, but it's not your backyard either, right? right. What, what management structure did you guys decide? Um, did you, are you going the self-management route, the hybrid approach or like full service management? Yeah, I would prefer to probably do property management, but he wanted to dive in and and tackle it and see how it went. So that's where we're going. So you're doing, you're <laughs> doing, so far it's going well. Okay. Yeah. And it, is it, does it seem a little easier? I mean, not that there's not less to do, but with your background in travel, you know, did that seem like it, it kind of fit with what you were guys were kind of putting together with your, did that, did that factor into the decision, I guess, is what I'm wondering. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's does a lot of the technical stuff and that, that, computer end of it. So he's does a lot of that. I mean, I, I'm happy to answer questions or about the yeah. area and, and feed into that and help, you know, about the travel part and the events and the things to do around the area and stuff like that. But, and the, then the decor, that's my big, <laughs> big part nice. more so. Yeah. Than I, I love that interior design kind of part. So that's love it. Love it. So I'm going to back up just a titch because we're kind of skipping to that setup phase, but I'm curious about that acquisition phase, right? We talk a lot about the acquisition phase, that setup and management phase, and then the marketing phase. And so while we're still in the acquisition phase, right, that, that, these are tough markets to, to acquire properties. It's tough to yeah. underwrite the deals, analyze them, you know, quick enough to make, you know, good decisions. And, and it's so important to understand that too, especially where when you guys, I'm curious on your take on this because you, you know, you're, you're brand new to real estate essentially, right? This is really your very first investment to dive into in a really popular asset class, in a market with really low inventory, where everything's going above ask price. So we have to really, you know, understand the underwriting yeah. pretty detailed so that we feel comfortable writing a check for sometimes over market value, because we have to know what everything looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you um, know, going through the course, you talk about, you know, setting up your dream team, you know, picking the right realtor, picking the right property management company. Uh, picking the right, you know, finance, uh, finance support or CPA. And so we looked at full-time property management. Um, we, the, we got lucky in, in finding a really good realtor. Someone like you, uh, like you said, has got a, or you, you talk about in the course is having a really deep background in short-term rentals. And, and we found that, and we were able to, his name was Jason. We're able to see a number of properties with Jason. You're right. It's a really hot market. Um, and then ultimately when we were in researching property management companies, um, what I, we actually kind of lucked into an or, uh, a company that we ended up using for our cleaning service that offers uh, a premium service on top of what uh, they provide through cleaning, which is on-call support. So it's kind of, a, I'd call it a hybrid 
property management, meaning that, you know, I'm still doing some of the upfront work um, to, to manage the bookings of the calendar and the pricing and some of those things. And the main thing, the main reason that I wanted to do that was to learn as we lean into this more and maybe the second and third and we get into full-time property management, I just think it's important for us to understand what it is that we're asking those property managers to do. And so one, I'm, I'm a learner by nature. And so I'm, I love learning and, and, and we'll probably lean on full-time property management. In the meantime, this uh, company that we're working with allows us to lean on them for any of that um, kind of on-site needs, whether it's uh, handyman, maintenance, repair, uh, emergency needs, things like that. And so I'd call it like a hybrid um, self-management uh, slash property management solution. Nice. Yeah. And, and that's where it really the proper, when you're talking about property management, that the right on the boots, you know, boots on the ground team members, which cleaning and maintenance are really your, your two biggest, but really that cleaning company is really operating as almost like your, your hospitality manager, if you will, they're setting the property up. If you need something on call, it's that's, that's critical to have because, because really the booking side of it's not that difficult, right? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of automation and stuff that's out there that can help with that, with pricing and all those different things. And a lot of people talk about that, but there's a lot more to management than just that, right? And and that boots on the ground person or team is critical to a great guest experience, making your guys' lives easier because you're three hours away. And so that's awesome. How'd you find them? So, yeah, so we found them through, uh, through our realtor. Um, he recommended them. Also, uh, there were some uh, folks actually uh, within the uh, the complex where we bought that kind of uh, recommended them as well. We interviewed a number of folks, but ended up leaning on them. The other interesting thing about them and what I really like about them, one, they're highly rated, um, but two, instead of taking a percentage of the overall booking, they, they actually uh, basically charge us for an hourly rate for the calls that they take or the, the, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the service that they provide, whether it's doing a repair or making a call. And so for us, it seemed like the best of both worlds. So um, so it's, it's been a great, so far it's been a great experience. It's been great to work with. Nice. That's awesome. And, and that's, it goes right back to those, those key team players. One of the biggest reasons we like to build that team is to ask for referrals, right? And management companies, realtor partners um, that are there on the ground and especially a realtor that has extensive short-term rental experience is going to have recommendations. And so that's great that they, they were able to provide that. It sounds like it's been a, a good fit. It has been a great fit so far. Yeah. It's awesome. So we, so what, tell us a little bit about the property. What, what type of property you mentioned that's in a complex. So single family, townhome, condo, what are we, what are we looking at there? Yeah, it's a, it's a three bedroom condo, two bath, okay. three bedroom, two bath condo. Um, it's right on Table Rock Lake. So uh, for those that maybe not know the, the Branson area, it's kind of in the Ozark Mountains, um, and there's a specific area called Indian Point, which uh, looks like an in, in, in arrowhead, uh, why they call it Indian Point. And we're at the very tip of Indian Point. So we're right on the water, which is something that was really important to us. We were looking for both lake access and lake view. Um, it's a Corps of Engineers lake. And so there's not a lot of development around uh, the lake specifically. And so we're pretty fortunate we're able to, to, to get this unit. Yeah. And, and I've seen the pictures of it, obviously, and seen the property and it's, it's awesome. I mean, you guys are right there on the water. It's a lot, I mean, a lot of fun. And so go, so when you bought it, was it, is it, was it an existing short-term rental? Was it set up? How was, how was it when you bought it? How much setup? What, what went through that setup phase? 
Yeah. So fortunately it was, it was turnkey. Um, the, the owner that had it before had a very successful uh, short-term rental, had it on VRBO and Airbnb. Um, really all of the furniture we, we were able to reuse. Uh, we added a few uh, items ourselves um, and decor, like Linda mentioned, we, we put our, our uh, theme and, and kind of our story and, and our soul into it, as you talk about in the course, um, but it was turnkey. So not only just the furnishings, but also um, some of the, he had some previous bookings that were able to get pretty much those, those guests that had reservations, uh, got them to, to reserve with us as well. So tell me a little bit about that, that because that's something that's a little bit of a misconception for people that sometimes they they think that some when you buy these short term rentals that everything just transfers over to you. That's not the case anymore, right? That doesn't happen. <laughs> no, and that was actually a lot of work. It was fun in that I got to learn the process and I got to meet uh, you know the guests um, and kind of talk with them. But yeah, it it is um, so essentially when you set up on VRBO, and that's our primary listing. Um, when we looked through uh, the, the previous owners' um, bookings from last year, 98% of them went, were through VRBO. So that's what we decided to go with. Um, and um, you have to, basically, those guests have to cancel the reservations. So uh, basically what the, the previous owner has to do is put a block on their calendar, and then they, they, they have to let the guests know that they have to cancel their reservations. So they have to do that themselves. And once they do that, then they can rebook on your listing. And so you work through that process. So you have to have really good communication with both uh, the previous owner and VRBO uh, because the previous owner will have to call VRBO themselves and tell them to, and not only to um, that they're going to do that, but also to transfer the reviews. That was the other good, the, the nice thing about VRBO is they actually transferred the reviews over, um, but the previous owner has to do that. So it's a little bit of work, um, but yeah, you're right. It doesn't just transfer over. Yeah. And, and and honestly, even now, so you guys were, were pretty lucky and fortunate because see Airbnb, VRBO, for those of you that are listening that, you know, those big OTAs, when you buy an existing rental, they used to allow you to transfer the listing over the reviews, the bookings, all that stuff. Then they start saying, okay, we're not going to do that. It's not going to be as easy. And, and it's gotten a lot tougher and a lot tougher. And today, like how it is now, you can't even get the reviews, right? They're not even going to transfer anything over to you. And so it's, and, and their argument or their, their and, I, and I understand it is, well, if, if we're going to transfer over a property, you know, the reviews from a property that say has a hundred reviews to a new owner, that could be misleading to guests because we don't know if the new owner is going to operate it the same way, whether they're going to operate it worse, whether they're going to be better. And so they're really kind of taking a stand now and saying, we're going to, we're going to make new owners set up their own listing and reestablish. And so if you are buying an existing short-term rental, you can't assume that there's all this, all this goodwill and, and, you know, the bookings you can, the owners can call and say, we're going to cancel and try to rebook. We've sold the property and that will happen. You can still do that, but it's a very manual process, but really transferring anything over now, even reviews is not something that, that the OTAs are allowing. And so that's, that was good that you guys were able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've read about Airbnb is, is basically made that stance and that's what I've heard. Uh, we, We aren't listed on Airbnb, so I don't know, but I would even say with VRBO, and you, you made a great point in both the training, but also in the Q&A calls, um, you said, you know, things change on a daily basis yes. So make sure. So we, and this is, this is the interesting part. We called, we, we, so I got the owner on with me, conference called, called VRBO. And the first person we talked to said, you can't do it. 
Yeah. And then we called back about two hours later and got a hold of somebody that said, oh, yeah, that's easy to do. Boom, boom, boom. It's done. And they transferred over. So you, it's, it also depends on who you talk to, too. So I'd say just be persistent in that and, and don't take it for granted. Yeah. Luckily, so. our previous owner knew enough to say, oh, no, they can do that, which I mean, maybe like you said, it could change. But he knew enough to say, oh, no, they should be able to do that and was more persistent about it. So, yeah, and, 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 and that's a that's actually a great point. I, I, I'm going to steal that advice from you because that's a good point. If you don't if you don't get the right answer and you've heard other people that have done this. Mm-hmm. What make a few phone calls, see if you talk to somebody else on the other end of the line that knows how to do it. So that's a great, that's a, a, a great piece of advice. Yeah. I think the first person was like, sounded like a new employee or something. And yeah. so they're like, oh, we can't do that. And so he's like, no, they can. <laughs> yeah, a great piece of advice. So, so you were able to get that. And you said that a number of them, a number of, number of them transferred over. When you took it over and you, like it was already turnkey, but you mentioned you kind of put your own touch on it. How much of, how much of a like soft goods update, like it was it accessories, artwork? I mean, how much did you guys end up having to do? Yeah, it was, uh, at first it didn't seem like it was going to be a whole lot, but there was actually some, some work to it. It was mostly artwork, mostly a touch of color, curtains, uh, curtains, uh, you know, blinds, some of those things. Um, you know, updated, you know, towels and, and things like that, you know, the soft goods, like you said, it was, yeah. we kept the the case goods, kind of the, the core furniture, and we added pretty much everything else ourselves. And a lot of it was the artwork and decor. And, and um, you know, like you, you learn about in the course, um, kind of coming up with that theme and then, and kind of tying everything back to that theme. Yeah. Yeah. That was what, um, how was that, you know, Linda, you, you're, you know, that's like you said, that's kind of your world. Was that something that was easy and fun for you? Um, or was that, did you have, yeah. was it, was it a stressful process? Cause that's a stressful process for some people for sure. It was fun for me. <laughs> I loved it. Um, they you know, like had great furniture and just get really good bones. And it was just kind of just to add the, just, just give it some personality, right? And, yeah. and you and you did a great job of that because I saw the befores and the afters. Yeah. And it's amazing what it can, you know, how how much upgraded and updated a property can feel when you just give it a little bit of that personality. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we kind of went with the themes and it was just fun to play around with that. Like we did the the music room and we've got the record player and yeah. got the albums. And I just was, you know, Googling and Pinterest and just looking at all kinds of ideas. And, and we did a little uh, album wall and, and yeah. people can interchange the, the music out and stuff and just love it. Yeah. I think it turned out awesome. And, and for those of you listening to this, whether you're on the podcast or watching it on YouTube, we'll have, if you go into the show notes, we're going to have a link to um, Stephen Linda's property. So you can go check it out. And, and if you're going to Branson and want to stay on the lake, you can always book it too. So we'll, we'll make sure we put that link on there. So awesome. So we're getting, so we go, we get it set up and you get bookings transferred over. So tell us a little bit about the launch and when that was, when you launched and, um, and then what it's looking at kind of going into the future forecasting for the the peak season coming up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's a great question. Um, and maybe just to take a step back uh, a little bit, we, uh, again, I just want to point out, you know, the, you talk about your, your pick the right partners and we had a little bit of a, a hiccup in our financing. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm glad you did back that up. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we launched, you know, to your question, we, we launched a little bit later than we wanted to, but, but really uh, only about two weeks later um, than we expected to. So, um, our financing uh, partner, we, we were going with the local credit union. You know, I was trying to be a little bit maybe too loyal. 
Um, and they backed out three days before we were supposed to close, um, primarily because they just didn't feel comfortable financing on a second home. But luckily, um, through my network, through Vodacy, um, through some of the folks um, in the community, I had a backup plan and we ended up closing on, so we were supposed to close on January 14th. Uh, we ended up closing on January 21st. Um, so like I said, it was about three, uh, three months to the day from the day we uh, joined um, of Odyssey. And yeah, so the next two weeks we were in setup phase. And so we launched really our first guest was right at the end of February. So uh, we had about two weeks of setup. We got the listing going. And then our first guest was January or February 25th, I believe it was. That that's week. awesome. So, so when, so that's interesting because that, I mean, that can be devastating to a deal, earnest money, everything else when, when financing falls apart three days before closing, right? That that's not usually able to put that together that quick. So how long were you working on plan B? Like you said, you had the backup plan. Yeah. Were you, were, were you running down two roads at the very, from the very beginning or were you, how, how does that look? Well, so yeah, great question. Um, so probably not, not all the way through, but it, early on there were signs that there was going to be trouble, um, but they kept telling me that they were going to be able to push it through and get it approved. But, but when I started seeing those signs of trouble, probably about four weeks, probably I would say, you know, towards the first part of December, I started, uh, like I said, reached out to some of the Vodacy uh, community and said, hey, I need a backup plan. Um, I actually went through uh, another bank that another Vodacy member that's in Branson um, uh, used to uh, and, and basically did the application process and just said, hey, you know, I just being fully transparent, I'm working through my primary lender, but if something were to happen, I would love to work with you. And they were great. And this is a bank uh, based uh, out of Arkansas, actually does a lot in Branson, and they specialize in short-term rentals and they, they understand the area. Um, they understand all of the complexities around uh, what they call non-warrantable condos. Yeah. is something that we learned a lot about. Um, but anyway, so about four weeks before um, we were expected to close, I really started that process. But then I was fully expecting our primary lender to go through with it. And they literally called me the Wednesday before we were supposed to close on Friday and said, I'm sorry, we can't do the deal. And so called the secondary backup lender. Um, and, and I was trying to push for a week and they said, well, we can't quite do a week, but we, we're going to shoot for two weeks. And so we were able to go just two weeks later and get it done. And the seller was the seller was cooperative. You I'm, I'm assuming you were communicating with the yeah, seller about it. Were so, lucky. <laughs> yeah, he, we were we were really lucky, I, I, you know, to be really honest, super lucky. Uh, the seller was very gracious, um, great to work with. And um, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better seller. And, and this helped me, you know do a little bit of the transition work, as I mentioned, um, and been great. So that's awesome. That makes it so nice to when, when both parties are really working toward the same goal and really helping each other out. Right. That's, that's, uh, that's critical, especially when these things kind of pop up. So what you mentioned, you mentioned something that I don't think a lot of people understand. And I think it, not that we want to get into the weeds on non-warrantable, but that is something that when you're buying condos to look into, because there's a lot of lenders that have issues with non-warrantable condos. Yeah, yeah. And, and basically the, the easiest way to describe it is, is that um, there's, there's basically a designation, either warrantable or non-warrantable. And really what that means is if, if a lender is, um, if, a, if, if a lender is going to sell their, their loans to uh, Freddie and Fannie Mae, ultimately bundle, if it's a lender that typically bundles their loans and sells them off, um, Fannie and Freddie don't accept non-warrantable condos. And so 
that's when, again, going back to, you know, picking your financing partners, if you're looking at a condo early on, you want to determine if it's considered warrantable or non-warrantable. And pretty much all of Branson is non-warrantable. And so we knew that going in, but again, our primary lender said no problem, um, ultimately didn't work out. But um, I, would, I would recommend that if you are buying a condo, just get that up front and know that you need to work with a lender if it's non-warrantable that, that is basically going to what they call, um, I think they call them portfolio loans, which means they keep them in-house. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, a great piece of advice and something that those of you that are listening, that are thinking about a condo, that that is something that is a hiccup for a lot of people because we don't really think about that. Right. And a lot of times our lenders don't really have that conversation because we're, you know, until, until we're into a deal. But if you're looking at a condo, you really want to have that conversation, especially in these types of market, like Branson's a secondary market, right? It's not, it's not a primary home type of a market. It's a vacation market. And what makes a lot of condos non-warrantable. There's a number of things, but one of the primary is, is the ratio of primary residence and investor or second homes. And so if that ratio is too high of second homes, investor loans, then they're going to be non-warrantable. So it doesn't mean it's a bad condo, nothing, anything else. So certain areas like this, like you mentioned, Steve, is you know a lot of them are going to be non-warrantable. So you need to make sure you're working with a lender that that's not an issue because there are lenders out there that do, but there's also lenders they say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to bundle these. And we're going to sell them on the secondary market. And, and Fannie and Freddie aren't buying non-warrantable loans. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. If it's, if it's typically a primary a vacation destination area, if it's, it's a high percentage of, of vacation rentals to primary residences, if it's, a, if it's a condo complex where you have a, like a hotel type of check-in yeah. environment, that's non-warrantable kind of right off the bat, anything like that. And there's a yeah. lot of that in Branson. And so, yeah, just something to be watching out for. And usually where it comes up is when the lender sends the questionnaire to the homeowners association, there's a bunch of questions. And if they use that Fannie or Freddie Mae um, questionnaire, there's a lot of things that will basically flag it as non-warrantable. So just something to, to really look at when you go into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that came up because I think that's a great piece of advice for those of you listening that are that are interested in in purchasing condos. And it's definitely something you want to know right out of the gate as you're building that dream team. So so awesome. So let's so so let's talk about the launch, the exciting part, the bookings and, and uh, how, how that how the launch went and if there were any hiccups with it, with the transition and all those things. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, I have a great, great partner here and Linda did a great job of, of getting it set up. We had a great, I think a great, um, like I said, a theme. Um, we got it all set up. Uh, it took us, like I said, about two to four weeks. Um, and so even though it was turnkey and that's maybe another piece of advice is, is no matter how turnkey it is, you yep. still, yes. still a lot of work. Right. And mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time on it, but, um, our, uh, the, like I said, the, the previous owner did a good job of, of providing us the names and numbers, of the, the previous reservations. And so a lot of the early bookings are from that. Um, and so, yeah, we launched um, and uh, I, I'm not kidding. The very first, um, everything was going great. The very first uh, renter that we had, uh, we had a huge ice storm in, in Branson and um, in our condo is on the lake and there's a little bit of a hill and we don't, in February, this is like end of February and we don't, our complex is really small, 12 units. We don't provide like snow removal because Branson is pretty dead in January and February. Yeah. And so they show up and there's like two inches of ice. And, and first thing they said was it was beautiful. They loved it. It was great, but it's a little tricky getting in. And so uh, we had some conversation back and forth and, 
ended up going really well and got a great review. So the first weekend was, was a fantastic launch. Um, the very next weekend, we had another booking and um, it was 80 degrees in Branson. The very one next week weekend, later. one week, a week later. later. <laughs> yeah. And the, the guests check in, they say, oh, we love it. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. And oh, by the way, the air conditioning is not working. <laughs> and so, you know, like I said, we had the, the on-call service. So we had them come out and take, take, take care of the air conditioning uh, the next day and got another five-star review. Went great. And then um, so now this weekend would be the third week of our launch, I guess. Uh, we have another set of guests checking in and guess what there's another ice storm coming in through branson yeah it's ice and snow so anyway so yeah we're crossing (laughs) our fingers so but you know um missouri weather is crazy so yeah right the launch the launch has been great that's awesome yeah we say here in utah if you don't like the weather right now, wait 20 minutes and it'll change. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it sounds like that's, sounds like that's uh, February in Branson as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the, the guests have commented uh, how much they love the place. Um, you know, how, uh, how comfy the beds are, uh, you know, and I think uh, we talk about that in the, in the, in some of the training and some of the, the other training that you've added, the, the, the week six training, and it's um, talks about how important, those amenities are. And so it's been great. It's been great. Can't, can't complain at all. That's awesome. And, and I want to unpack um, one, one really important point that I hope people heard was those first two, those first two guests that came in, they came in, they loved it. You had the property set up, but there were, there were something that they had an issue with, right? Yet your communication with them and the way that you handled it is still getting five-star reviews and they had a great experience and, and everybody's moving forward. Everybody's happy, but that goes back to that communication and how you guys handle that versus maybe ignoring it or not addressing it. And, and that customer experience falls short, but, you know, to get five-star reviews, even when there's issues is something that, that, you know, congratulations to you guys, because that goes back to how you're handling it as, as a host. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, we're, we are doing kind of that part of the management ourself. Um, and so uh, that is one thing. And both Linda and I, I think have, uh, we've been talking about this, we kind of have that hospitality mindset. I think uh, we're ultimately built for some of this, um, not to say that we won't lean on full-time property management, but I, I think not just with short-term rentals, but I think in life in general, um, it's not, you know, if or when, uh, it's not if, but when, you know, things are going to come up, it's how you respond um, that really yeah. makes the difference. And I think um, it, it may sound kind of crazy, but I think um, almost um, those reviews can because it can be because of the fact that you yes. responded when a situation was bad, right? So I would 100% um, agree with that. We were searching out to get a, a plow, you know, somebody out there to plow the, the parking lot. And, you know, and she really appreciated that we were, you know, willing to do that if we needed to, but it ended up being okay. But we were definitely proactive and taking care of things. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and I 100% agree. You, you do get those reviews because of how you handle it. Sometimes, sometimes those people that have a perfect experience, they walk, they check in, they, they sometimes are hard to get reviews from because everything just was how they expected it. Right. And so, you know, people are more than willing to give a great review when you're able to step in and handle a situation in, in a, in a really amicable way for everybody. And so, um, so, so we're, my guess is that Branson's busy season is not February and March. So, so (laughs) we're March actually, it starts. Yeah. Yeah. Start picking up. So we're, we're kind of, we're kind of hitting our stride for that springtime and summer weather on the, on the lake. And so, what are we looking like for future bookings and, and getting the property kind of established? Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, great question. I'd say um, 
it's looking really good. So we've actually got um, June and July is fairly booked. Now, it's interesting because a lot of the a lot of the bookings uh, came over. We had 14. So 14 of 16 bookings that were reserved with the previous owner re-reserved with us. And we wanted to one, one, uh, get those uh, those guests, you know, and, and take care of them because they'd already had reservations, get those early uh, five-star reviews, but also honor the rates that they had, um, you know, and be a good business partner that way. Um, but then I went back and listened to your podcast on pricing and, and seeing just the reason why there was so many bookings um, that came over is because I believe it was underpriced. And so, uh, one, we do have a lot of, we have about 20 bookings already set up, um, but we know that part of that is because it was probably not, it's probably priced a little bit too low, but that's okay early on. Yeah. Um, and so we've gone back and made some adjustments there. So the peak season is obviously going to be uh, post, you know, May, June, and July and August. And it's typically around 100% occupancy in those June, July, August months uh, is what we see in Branson. And you have the shoulder seasons of, you know, March, spring break, April, September. Um, and then it picks up again in November, December with the Christmas season. And so um, we're, we're really excited about, you know, what we have. And, and I think our our property is set apart from our competition there too. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you've got, and, and by the way, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in playing at the top end of pricing. Those, those Anybody that's listening to this has listened to me long enough. You've heard me say that many times. But 100% agree with what you guys did with your business decision and saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna honor these bookings that are there. We're gonna go in. They've already booked. They've they've agreed to a price. We're not gonna come in and change it on them." And so I think you did definitely the right thing. And so during, even though some of them are during the peak season, in this first year you might have, you know, you might you might leave a little bit of revenue on the table. It's still the right business move, in, in my opinion, as well. I think you 100% made the right move. How much of the summer is available for you to raise some of the prices. Is there is there still some room in there for you to start to to get some a little bit higher rents for some of the summer still? Yeah, there is. Um, there are a couple of weeks in June, um, pretty much all of August. Uh, July is pretty much taken up, um, but yeah, June and, and August there is quite a bit of availability, Good. even into the first part of September. So yeah, there's still plenty of time for that. Like I said, I, it was the right uh, business decision and business move to honor those. Um, but at the same time, um, knowing what I loved about that podcast where you talked about that, because you, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, it feels good to get those bookings. And I was seeing June and July bookings. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I looked at the at kind of the, the average lead time for bookings. And I was like, whoa, you know, like they shouldn't be booking this far in advance. And it's probably because it's so it was a great learning experience. But but ultimately, um, like I said, uh, the new bookings that are coming in are going to be priced appropriately. And so we're, we're looking good there. Nice. How, uh, how close are, uh, does the revenue and the nightly rates as it is kind of right now for the rest of the year, how close is that to what you were underwriting and analyzing as you were going in and, and purchasing this property? You remember uh, it all? Yeah, I do. So we, um, I think our revenue is actually going to be higher than what we un underwrote it for. Um, we originally, um, we originally, so we purchased the property for, um, 440,000. We originally did the underwriting at 495,000, which is what one of the properties there was for sale. We ended up getting a property actually, um, for 440,000. So we expected somewhere, and we were expecting somewhere between 50 and 56,000 revenue, which is above our expectations. I believe we're going to be in the, probably the 60 to $62,000, 
uh, nice. range, so well above expectations. Awesome, that's awesome. And then, and then next year rolling in, you know, your your full, you know, really fully established next year, which is why I always tell people, you know, you're 12 to 18 months before you really start to hit your stride with these types of assets, and everybody kind of looks at me like that's crazy. But even would you would you kind of start to agree with that as you're going through this process and realize even though for year one is going to be great and it's been a success, but there's a lot of learning that goes on in year one. There's a lot of a lot of holes that we can fill for year two, and and so even though it seems like it's far off, it I, I still feel like most people once they get in they start to realize that's the case. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I would say the the underwriting process that you have is 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 spot on, and I think the way that you approach it helps people get into the property with the right expectations of at least breaking even, if not being profitable. But I would say think about the first year as being a learning year. Um, you obviously don't want to lose money, um, but uh, but at the same time, it is there's a lot of room for improvement. As much as I thought we were prepared, there's so much to learn and. Um, and I think a lot of it goes back to, um, well, and we're, this is our first short-term investment. Um, so that's a big piece of it, but, um, but yeah, there's just, there's just so much to learn and, and that's kind of the way that we're approaching it and, and having fun doing that. Yeah. Is this, um, where this is the first one is your guys's, do you guys have plans to, to get additional properties, build a portfolio or what does that look like for the future? Do you have plans for that? Yeah, I think we, we'd we like to. I'm already starting to look at a couple of different markets. I'm going back to uh, Bonita Springs. And uh-huh. uh, that's it just that we had such a great time on that vacation. It just that vision of like, I think we could replicate that for others there and we could use it ourselves. Um, we also like Austin. Uh, we have some friends that live in Austin. We love visiting Austin. We could see ourselves maybe retiring there at some point. And so that may be another opportunity. We love Colorado. And so we've been to Breckenridge um, and uh, Crested Butte. We love those areas as well. And so those are the three kind of primary areas that we're looking at. Nice. Love them all. They're all great areas for sure. I I own a property right by Bonita Springs. So I particularly like that area because I I, I actually own one down there. So that's uh, yeah, I have to have the warm weather um, option coming from the mountains in Utah. So it's nice yeah. to have that warm. And you guys, same thing. Kansas City winters get a little bit uh, a little bit cold, right? Exactly. Snowing, today. Snowing outside right now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. So so that Bonita Springs one's looking really good. Yeah, absolutely fantastic yeah. right now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll get this one, this one going. And I know you guys are been so gracious with your time. I I you know I, I always appreciate when. Short-term rental owners are able to come on and share their story with others to hear it because, you know, sometimes, and I love the fact that you, you know, you don't have this huge real estate background. You weren't these, you know, professional investors that are getting into the game and you're coming in and you're starting, you get the property, you're operating at a high level with some really good runway uh, ahead and some, and some really good potential with the property. So it's really exciting to hear it. So I really appreciate you guys sharing that with all of us. So I always like to, sh- to stop with or end with one last question and I want you both to answer it. And so I want to get two different perspectives. And I always, as you dive into this, you know, we always have these, you know, our view of what this journey is going to look like never is what it ends up being the reality, right? And we always learn these lessons along the way, the challenges that are that are there. If you could go back and talk to yourself, you know, four months ago when you started diving into this journey, what piece of advice would you give yourself to to either do differently or be aware of as you went down this it ran down this road? You want me to go no, first? You, go first. <laughs> you want me to go first? <laughs> I got um, Well, I would. Um, I, I'll add maybe two two answers. One is um, 
I would go back and say, uh, pick, pick your, make sure you pick your partners uh, and the financing partner. I think for the for the investment that we did, I, I'd say my lesson learned there, and and you you talk about this is that you know um, it's the it's the who, not the what, right? It's yeah. uh, picking your partners. And I would say I made that mistake in being too loyal with a part a financing partner, um, but probably the more uh, I'd say. Um, uh, the bigger one would be is, uh, you know, we should have done this uh, a while ago. We probably waited too long um, to, to, to get into it in the first place. And so that's, that would be, if I were to go back and be like, yeah. It's funny how often I hear that one. That's a, that's yeah. a, that's a resounding lesson that yeah. most of us, most of us would uh, share for sure. Linda, anything coming to mind for you on the, the lessons that you would, you would share with somebody or give yourself that advice going into this game? Mine that I'm, coming to mind is that uh, just kind of stick to your guns. I'm thinking about when we started looking, he was just wanting Lakeview, Lakeview. And I was like, no, I want on the lake. And it's, I said, I don't, I mean, I love to look at a lake, but I want access. I want to be there. And, and he was just kind of acting like I was being picky or whatever. And, and so finally we found this property and he's like, oh yeah, this is perfect. And, and awesome. it's like, we just had to keep looking to find what made us both happy and, you know, that's a that's a great lesson, because sometimes in these markets with such low inventory, we sometimes will tell ourselves it's OK, I can I'll make that compromise, you know, and I, but if you want to be on the water, be patient because this is a long term investment. Right. right. This is one. It's a big investment. Yeah. Two, it's a long term investment. You're going to have it for a long time. And so, yeah, identify what those property goals are and, and be patient and stick to them. And don't get so, you know, because another, another thing that I see happen a lot, Linda, is somebody will say, Hey, I want this Lakeview. And then the realtor calls and says, Hey, this isn't Lakeview, but this is a great investment. You're going to make a ton of money on this one. Right. And so because it's such a great opportunity, sometimes people will go and say, well, I'll I'll take it because it's a great opportunity where you can, you can get both if you're patient. And so, yeah, yeah, great lessons. And I I think it, it's so few and far between to find what we have now. So I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm glad we stuck to it. And then I kind of pushed a little bit. <laughs> yeah, she did. She, she made the right call on that one. Um, she definitely pushed to say, Hey, we, I need to have lake access and literally we can walk down to the water and have a picnic or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you know. Yeah. And, and I thought of one more that, and this was where Linda really shined. Um, one more piece of advice. If I were to go back four months would be talk to as many people as you can. Um, we, we were, we had underwritten the deal, uh, like I said, based on that unit that was on sale for 495, that deal fell through. And so Linda just uh, was, saw a guy in the parking lot one day and started talking to him. I'm usually kind of shy. She usually is, <laughs> but she just started talking. It turns out he's the condo owners association president. And we told him what was going on. He said, well, I know somebody that might sell you a unit. And so just that one conversation led us to finding this place where a first deal fell through. We ended up, and so that, that would be another piece of advice is, is talk to as many people as you can, get as much advice from as many people as talk you can. Talk to the people at the restaurant next door. Yeah, don't keep it a secret, right? Yeah. Like if you're buying, let everybody know, hey, man, I'd love to find something here. This is what we're looking for. Because you never know who's going who's gonna to know somebody that might have a property to sell, right? That's, a, that's great, especially in these markets. Uh, we, we just assume that that's not going to do us any good. And I hear a lot of times those, those conversations that just lead to properties that the off market properties and you're not in a bidding war and everything else. And all of a sudden you're, you, you, I mean, and it's, it was cheaper than the one you were looking at. Well, yeah, we were able to buy it because it wasn't on the market. It wasn't. 
that we talked to the owner uh, and he said, he's got two units. He said, I'd sell you one of them. And so we ended up working and I, we told him what we had offered the other seller uh, and the other seller d- declined our offer. And he says, I'll, I'd take that offer. And so, yeah, it worked out that one conversation in the parking lot ended up, you know, oh, awesome. I thought it was maybe a maintenance guy. I didn't even realize who he was. I just said, Hey, yeah. And so <laughs> like you said, questions. don't just don't, don't assume any, you know, talk to as many, get as much advice. That one conversation led us to where we are today. Oh, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Don't keep your plans a secret when you're in that buying, that buying phase, because you never know what that's going to lead to those conversations will lead to. So great, great advice. Well, guys, I sure appreciate your time. I know everybody listening does as well. And for those of you listening, go check out Stephen Linda's property in the show notes. I'll have the link in there. If you got any value out of this episode, we'd sure appreciate it if you'd share it and invite somebody to listen to it for somebody you might think would get some value out of these interviews or in these podcasts as well. Leave us a review, whether it's on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube. Those things do help us immensely. If you want more information about Vodacy, you can go to vodacy.com and find all about what we're doing over here to help people build those short-term rental portfolios. And finally, I challenge you to pick one One thing that you can do today to start building that life that you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey, Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit bodicey.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.